Broken trust can be healed, but it's not just time that's going to heal it. You need clear guidance about what to do and what not to do. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've developed a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course will show you what's needed to begin healing after betrayal. I offer guidance for the betrayed partner as well as the partner who broke the trust. You can access it for free right now by clicking the link in the show notes. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist and the host of this podcast, From Crisis to Connection. This is a podcast about relationships, the relationships with others, of course, but also the relationship with ourselves and the relationship with our higher power. I believe we experience our deepest joys when we're in harmony with these relationships. But when we lose that connection to ourselves and others through our own unhealthy behaviors like addictions, infidelity, secrecy, abuse, and so on, or we lose it by being betrayed by someone else's choices, it throws us into crisis. Getting out of crisis and living in connection isn't always straightforward or easy, but it is possible. And that's why every week I bring you incredible guests who share their life experiences and expertise to help you move from crisis to connection. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's good to be with all of you once again. Today's episode is near and dear to my heart. In fact, today's episode, when I was recording it, it actually felt like more of a coaching session with my guest than it did an interview. I was just so excited for the things that he was sharing and the changes that I felt happening just inside of me as we were talking about it. Today, we're talking about men and friendships. And this is something that's really important to me. I've had great guy friends throughout my life, but I've also had experiences where friendships with other guys have been complicated. And it's not just because I'm a therapist. Well, maybe it is. We tend to complicate things sometimes in our personal lives, (laughs) just as my wife and kids. But I'll tell you, men and friendships is not necessarily a very straightforward subject, especially for a lot of men. We sometimes don't really know how to blend with other guys or how to connect with them. Sometimes we act like we don't need friends. Sometimes we're just hanging out with guys and we don't really ever share what's going on for us. And we tend to just keep things really superficial. Or maybe we get really competitive with other guys and don't really know how to connect in a meaningful way. But the truth is, is that friendships for men are so critical for our mental health. And a lot of guys I work with who are recovering from addictions or dealing with infidelity or struggling emotionally in their lives, they oftentimes are also struggling with how to have meaningful friendships. And so this is a topic that I think applies to just about every single guy that I've ever talked to. And I think we can learn a lot from what's being talked about today. And if you're a woman listening to this, do not press pause and move on to another episode. You're going to want to listen to this as well to better understand the men in your life. If you're married and have a husband, if you've got sons, if you're dealing with other men in your life, this will be critical information for you to better understand what they're going through. In fact, this episode today was prompted by a conversation I had with my 17-year-old son. We were just talking about life and about guy things. And I told him I was going to be interviewing this guest today, who I'll introduce in just a minute. And I said, what would you want to ask this guy? Like what, you know, if you could talk to him about anything. And he just said, you know, let's, I'd like to just 
understand kind of men and friendships, which I thought was a really wise and profound answer from a 17-year-old guy. And uh, I said, yeah, let's do it. I'll suggest this. And of course, my guest was awesome about it. And he's seriously the perfect guy to talk about this. And I think you guys are going to love this episode so much. Let me jump in and introduce who I've got for you today. I'm so grateful that Connor Beaton was willing to come on this podcast and talk with me. Connor is the founder of Man Talks. It's an international organization focused on men's health, wellness, success, and fulfillment. He's an international speaker, host of his own top-ranked podcast called Man Talks, and he works with men who are looking to deepen their purpose, radically improve their intimate relationships, and regain confidence. And uh, since founding Man Talks, Connor has spoken on stage at TEDx with Lewis Howes, Gary Vaynerchuk, Danielle Laporte, and uh, taken Man Talks to over a dozen cities internationally. And he's been featured on platforms like United Nations, Forbes, Huffington Post, He for She, The Good Men Project, CBC, and The National Post. And he is everywhere. Connor is doing some incredible work. And I love following him on social media. I learned so much from him. And it's just a real honor to have him on the podcast today. So grateful he was willing to take time out of his busy schedule. But Connor talks a lot in his podcast and in his different uh, offerings on social media about men's relationships to other men. And I knew he'd be the perfect guy to talk about this. And so we get into a really great conversation about this. And he taught me so much. The interview, in fact, didn't even go the exact direction I thought it would. And he even posed some challenging questions and gave me some feedback and just some great, great conversation. And really, honestly, guys, he was doing exactly what men do with men, which is to provide honest feedback, to ask challenging questions, to give each other a chance to be direct and talk through some of the more challenging things in life. And when men are willing to dig in and do that work, we really benefit each other and come out stronger. So I'm just really, really excited to share this with all of you today. And I also invited my 17-year-old son to join me so that he could be a part of the podcast that he had the idea for. So you'll get to hear from Tyson for a little bit during this podcast. Okay, guys, let's jump in. Here's my interview with Connor Beaton. Well, welcome to the podcast, Connor. It's so good to have you here with us today. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we've got uh, you here in the uh, on this call, and we also have a special co-host, someone that's never been on my podcast before, but I talk to all the time, which is my 17-year-old son, Tyson. So Tyson, you want to jump in and say hi? Yeah, hey, it's good to be on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is a brand new experience for him. He's never been on any podcast, I don't think, but just love having you here, Tyson. And Connor, so excited to talk about men and friendships today. This is something that actually was Tyson's idea. I said, hey, we're going to have Connor on the podcast. And if you could ask Connor anything, what would you want to talk to him about? He, he and I listened to your podcast and he, uh, he said, how about, let's talk about men and friendships. I said, oh mm. man, that is a good one. Let's dig into that one. So definitely excited to jump in on this. But uh, before I get too ahead of myself, Connor, I just want to congratulate you first of all on becoming a new dad. Thank you. Yeah, oh my thank gosh. you so much. Got a son of my own, little milk dragon, and uh, <laughs> he's he's a he's a joy. You know, I think we're we're very blessed, very fortunate. I mean, it's just been it's been phenomenal. I took eight weeks off to be with him when when he was born, and worked very hard to make sure I could have that time to just welcome him into the world and for me to adjust as well. Because oh yeah, Lordy, is that ever an adjustment? <laughs> and yeah, but feeling feeling very grateful. Yeah, so excited for you. And 
I think you had said on Instagram somewhere that he's a few months old now. And yeah, just already, I'm sure you're probably noticing things change quickly. I, <laughs> I'm amazed. I have three sons of my own. Tyson's my youngest of my three sons. And it has been a joy to just father them and work with them. And I just love talking about this stuff. So mm. I look forward to just staying connected with you through social media and whatever else and seeing your journey evolve with your son and what you learn as well as you are in the trenches now. It's just so exciting. Yeah, the, the diaper trenches. Well, right now, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the diaper trenches, but soon it'll be different. You know, I'll be trying to keep them off of social media and you know, teaching them teaching them survival skills and you know stuff like that. Right. It'll be fun. All of it, man. That's so cool. Well, let's dive in. I let's talk about men and friendships. I'd love to hear just from you. What do you, what are you seeing? You work with a ton of men. You podcast about this. You run retreats, coach guys. Like what what are you observing with men and, and their friendships these days in 2021? Yeah, I mean, I would say that male dynamics are changing dramatically in many different ways. And I, I won't get too much into that maybe right now, but I think that a lot of men are starting to build different forms of relationships with one another. Mm. And for a very long time, you know, we as men have built very competition-based relationships. So if you hear men talk to one another in the boardroom, in the locker room, you know, at the bar, a lot of the conversations are very competitive in nature. You know, there's lots of competing about stories, accomplishments, achievements, accolades, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that's, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Like I think we're, it's, it's great to be competitive. It's great to have that, that part in you. I think that's, that's important, but it's also important that we note when we're competing with somebody else, we have a likelihood to withhold. There's mm -hmm. a natural tendency to want to withhold because when you're competing, you are, you're doing one thing, right? And what's that one thing? You're trying to win. Yeah. You're trying to be victorious. And so there's this undercurrent of, I'm not going to tell you maybe the, the real stuff that's happening in my life that might cause you to look at me in a way like I'm losing, like I'm failing, like I'm not doing as good at you as you, because that might move me down in the sort of standing or hierarchy of where we fit together as men how we see one another. Because when we compete as men, whether it's verbally, physically, financially, et cetera, that it does a few things. It helps us as men understand where we can trust one another. It helps us sort of arrange ourselves in, in many different ways. But it also helps us understand where, if we are relying on one another, can you be trusted and where might you fall short? Mm -hmm. Where am I going to need to pick up that slack, right? So if we're building a business together or playing a sport together, that's incredibly important information to know. And how we as men acquire that information is through these subtle and not so subtle forms of competition. But what we also are starting to see within male friendships is that that has a limitation. And the limitation is that men often don't know large swaths of what's happening in each other's lives, specifically the areas that aren't working. Right. So uh, a man that is in relationship that's married might not talk about, you know, an affair or a breakdown that he's having in his relationship because he doesn't want the other man to know or look down on him or look down on his relationship or think that he's a failure in some way. And so what's starting to happen is that a lot of men are have felt isolated in their friendships. And maybe they have a few male friends, but those male friendships have they're shallow at best. 
you know, they talk about sports teams, they talk about, you know, booze, babes, and, and fast cars. And it, some of it doesn't go much deeper than that. And so a lot of men are starting to bring in challenge-oriented conversations. They're starting to be able to share openly about what challenges they're experiencing in their life, what's happening, what's not working. And they're able to challenge one another to work on that, to get better at it. So that's just a little sort of snippet. I don't want to go necessarily too far into it, but that's a little snippet of, of what I see happening. Man, so much there, isn't there? And I, I relate to that. I mean, I think about my friendships with other guys. And even though, you know, we're coming in this friendship as, as equal, supposedly, there is, there is sort of that tension of wondering where you fit in with them. And I don't know, I mean, it's a diff, maybe a different, different point in terms of what to do about that. But I, I do relate to that. I do recognize that that hierarchy is always kind of bumping in all the time. And, and that whole battle of how much do I share? How am I going to be perceived? How is this going to change the dynamic of our relationship? Mm-hmm. And boy, I'm telling you, a lot of people think men are just so simple, right? But it's not like that. <laughs> there's a well, lot. I think, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that there's also, you know, there's been this huge emergence of men to relate to one another in a very sort of feminine way, right? In a very feminized way. And I think a lot of men don't necessarily know what to do with that, uh, you know, because you hear this narrative of like, Men need to be more vulnerable. Men need to be more, you know, just constant. It's just constantly out there. And I don't disagree, but I just don't think that it, it needs to be done maybe in the way that like a group of women would be open and connect and be honest with one another. It's going to look different. When you get a group of men together, it's going to naturally look different. And how they are open with one another and transparent and honest is going to look different. And there, I think there are cultural norms, masculine cultural norms that are starting to erode, right? Like I talk about this idea that there's strength through suppression, that through generations past, there's been this idea that you are more manly, you're more masculine, right. you're stronger through suppressing the things that could cause you to be perceived as weak, your failures, right? Certain emotions certain feelings. There's just certain things that you don't do express or expose because you'll be perceived as weak. So you're stronger for hiding it. But we know that that's not functional, right? That, that just doesn't work. You can try it for a period of time in your life, but it's going to yield likely not very fruitful results. Exactly. <laughs> and, exactly. And you're going to feel isolated. And mm-hmm. so I think that's the biggest thing. You know, there was a study done in the UK that said 50% of men can't identify a closer best friend. And how they, how they came to that was, do you have somebody to call at two o'clock in the morning? You know, do you have somebody to call in an emergency? And for, for a lot of these men, the answer was no, Mm. no, I don't, I don't have somebody that I would call in an emergency. So just, you know, stand with that for a moment that there are a lot of men that maybe are even listening to this when they think about it's like, who would I call in an emergency if I'm personally going through an emergency? Well, most men, how they're going to deal with that is, they're going to try and, you know, suffer through it on their own. They're going to try and deal with it on their own. Right. But there are, there, what's that? I said, right. They're going to hero their way out of it alone. Yeah. 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 And, you know, we need battle partners sometimes, you know, we need people yeah. to, to get into the thick of it with us. So I think that that dynamic is, is also changing that, that men are starting to realize the role that other men can play in their lives and how important it is 
and actually necessary it is in order for them to be the caliber of husband or father or leader, entrepreneur, you know, career oriented man, athlete that they actually really want to be. Yeah, that's so good. And, you know, on a, on a related note, this whole idea of competition and men, Tyson, you had a question that you'd asked me this morning about competition and men. You want to pass that over here to Connor, see what he says? Oh yeah. I was just curious about like the origin of that competition, right? If that's something that's more natural, right? That they've been doing for decades or if it was something that's more ingrained in society today. Yeah. I think it's both a manifestation of social expectations and social conditioning and constructs, but it's also a very real historic anthropological piece, you know, biologically we as men have competed. And like I said before, that competition has played an important role, right? Thousands of years ago, or even a thousand years ago, if you're going to go hunting with the other men, you needed to know where their strong suits were. You needed to understand where you could rely on them and where they could rely on you and where you needed to pick up the slack. If you were going to war, you needed to know where another man was proficient. Where was he going to have your back and where might he not? Because otherwise you got killed, right? You, you didn't survive. So I think in, in many ways, this is a, a survival trait that from an evolutionary perspective has been ingrained into us to compete, to sort of be competitive with one another as a means of very quickly and efficiently understanding one another, right? It hasn't been a bad thing. I think in our modern culture, competition has gotten a very bad rap because it has you know, there's just like everything, there's a shadow to it. There's a dark side to it. It can be unhealthy. In a world where a lot of men are lacking purpose and fulfillment and happiness, what they rely on is their, like their competition goes into overdrive. So they end up working 90 hours a week and they sacrifice spending time with their family and they become addicted to this solo version of competition. But who they're competing with is society, the world, you know, the next hedge fund fund manager, right? <laughs> Those types of That's things. Right. So their, their competition isn't really with, you know, initially competition was between you and the, the people that you were building camaraderie with, you know, your brothers, your friends, your, your next door neighbors, right? We lived in, in villages, we lived in these smaller communities. And that was, there was a playful element to that competition. But we've almost strip mined and redacted the playfulness from our competition as men. And it's, it's become violent and aggressive and devoid of connection and devoid of the bonding that it initially was meant to have. Because again, historically, that's, that is what has brought us as men together. We go through these initiatory experiences. We build structures. We build communities. We, we go hunting together. Right. All of these types of things, that's where we build and find cohesion as men. Yeah, that's fascinating. And, and when I'm thinking about that, when I'm listening to you talk about this, I'm thinking, wow, I've never considered that competition was really a doorway to vulnerability for men historically. Mm-hmm. That, that in some Absolutely. ways, like putting yourself out there to throw that spear or to show what you can do or you know, leading the charge or whatever, you, you do reveal your vulnerabilities. You do reveal your, your weakness to all the other men. And so- you know, guys that aren't competing in this kind of healthy, playful way. We're not necessarily competing to survive anymore, but but when we hold back and don't do that, it sounds like we miss out on an opportunity to really 
not only show what we're capable of, but what we're not capable of and revealing kind of both sides of that sword and allowing for deeper connection with guys. Yeah. I, I think in many ways, like I just got off of a call with the, within man talks, I run something called the Alliance and it's, it's a online group for men and we've got hundreds of men from around the world. And what we were just talking about is that for us as men, we find purpose through contribution and through our value and our value as men isn't given to us. We have to earn it. We have to cultivate it. We have to build it. We have to create it. And so that competitive nature in its, you know, when it's working properly, when it's healthy is designed to help us find our value as men is designed to help us sort of sharpen our acts with other men and to be able to see that, that maybe they're not necessarily our enemy, but that they are there to support us Mm -hmm. in developing our skills, that they're there to help us build our strengths, that they're there to say, you know, you could do better here. X, what you try X, Y, and Z throw the spear this way, right? Talk to the girl that way, you know, try this line, (laughs) those types (laughs) of things. So like, so like, that's how we have, it's a very efficient and effective way to, for us to be vulnerable in some capacity because it does expose us when you're competing with somebody, you are naturally exposed. Mm -hmm. But again, if we are doing it from this hyper egocentric, just trying to prove something to someone, we cut out the inherent bonding that happens there. And, you know, there's a saying that says iron sharpens iron. Well, that, that has been an adage for men and masculinity for a very long time that how you know yourself as a man, how you grow your value and your worth as a man is not by gaining the the attention of women, but by sharpening that skill and that part of you around other men, because men are going to test you, right? As men, we test one another. Women still test you, but they do it in a very different way. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) men are going to test you. And there's a, a beauty to that, that I think that we've turned a blind eye to within our culture. So yeah, I'll just, I'll pause there because I feel like I just said a, a lot. No, oh, yeah, it's fantastic. Anything Tyson on that for you that came up for you is answering that question for you? Yeah, it just seemed like a lot of this competition in the past was more for survival, right? So it was like necessary to, to kind of open yourself up through competition and to just to stay alive pretty much. But that's probably a lot harder to, to accept and to do today because like we aren't in like such a physical world anymore, right? Like a lot of societies really safe and there aren't, there isn't much war or hunger. Like you can just go, go and buy food, right? You don't have to really hunt anything anymore. So it just seems like there's less physical need for it, even though there's still like an emotional need for it. Yeah. And I think in many ways, it's not just a physical thing, you know, like you're saying is that when a man is competing with another man or, or a group of men are competing together they get to meet certain parts of themselves through that competition, right? You get to meet that part of you that is, you get to meet your fear first and foremost. You know, if you've ever been in a fight, for example, or if you've ever been, right, like Mike Tyson says, everyone has a plan to get punched in the face. It's like, well, why? (laughs) Because your plan goes out the door when you get your bell rung, right? Like you might have a plan of how you're going to go win that fight. But as soon as you eat that left hook, I mean, it's a different game. So competition helps a man understand his fear and it helps him face it. It helps him experience it and embody it. And this is what a lot of men are lacking. I mean, we live in a hyper domesticated, docile, timid, 
realm where a lot of men are addicted to comfort over their capacity to face their fears. And when a man is when a man is living that quality of life where he doesn't have to face any fears, there's no risk of failure. You know, he can go work his nine to five, collect his paycheck, go home, eat dinner, you know, watch the same shows with his wife or partner or whatever every single night, go to bed, wake up, shower, and do the exact same thing every single day. There's a kind of complacency that starts to set in and he doesn't have to face his fear. He doesn't actually have to feel it anymore. And so he begins to disconnect from it and he begins to live a much softer version of himself and he lets go of his potential and he lets go of his capacities and his capabilities and he never really has to meet his edge and we crave that right we want to see what we're capable of you know this is why like when i was 19 i bought a 1000 cc motorcycle and street raced it and stunted it why because i wanted to meet my edge i wanted to understand what was i capable of you know how fast could i go on that bike how you know dangerous could i be i wanted to see what it was like right on that fringe but I did that, which in some ways was very unhealthy and very, very dangerous because there's no, there was no space for me to be in competition, real competition with other men in an integrative, generative way, in a way where like if you play sports today, that competition is very one dimensional in a lot of ways. It's lacking in the camaraderie and the, and the bonding that's there. It's lacking in the closeness that sometimes shows up that can be built between teammates. And so a lot of guys still feel alone in that space when they're competing with other men. But that's not entirely true for, for everywhere, but a lot of men feel that because what they're craving is, I want to be able to compete with somebody, but I want to build a camaraderie and a brotherhood and a kinship with this person that I'm competing alongside of. Not that I'm competing with them but I'm competing alongside with them and they can hone my skills. Like there's great stories about Jordan and, and Kobe Bryant, you know, like Jordan mm -hmm. being the sort of like the God that he was giving Kobe a hard time on the court. And then Kobe having the wherewithal to call him. Like I remember, I think it was in his documentary he talks about how Kobe asked for his phone number and then just started calling him and texting him and asking for his <laughs> advice. And like they were competing against one another, right? But there was a respect, there was an honor there. And Bryant realized that he could elevate himself by competing alongside Jordan. He wasn't trying to compete against him. He wasn't trying to be in competition with him, but alongside of him. And it's a very different thing that I think we've lost that capacity to compete alongside one another because we've been indoctrinated in this idea with com competing with one another, that you and I are against one another. And that is, that's not it. And so we need, a lot of men are, are hungry for those types of relationships where they're competing alongside one another. And so that's, that's where I really encourage a lot of men to build. It's like find men that you can compete alongside with, not somebody that you're trying to, you know, constantly compare your finances to, or, you know, your partner or your sexual exploits or whatever, but somebody that you, you feel this healthy level of competition with who can call you out and challenge you and, and push you forward. Yeah. I love that. And like Tyson was saying, you know, we, we don't have a natural context for that anymore because we're not like living in fight or flight all the time in terms of survival context, but 
Connor, what are some modern day applications of that, of competing alongside another guy in terms of starting to build these male friendships? I mean, I can think of a few in my own life that I'll just share real quick. And I'd love to hear some of the other ones. Like I think about, I go out once or twice a week and I slalom ski, water ski with a good friend of mine, and he's way better than I am at it. But I go out with him and we, we talk about it. We push each other. We coach each other. We just kind of share in this space. Um, I also have a, a, another guy I work with who he and I do the exact same kind of work, counseling, online courses, other kinds of things, podcasting. But we call each other and talk about and share ideas. And, you know, basically we're, we're trying to pull from the same audience. We're trying to, to attract the same people. And I'm sure there's some crossover there, but we just have a really great time talking about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I feel like I'm always, a, I'm always improving and better. And there is that little bit of fear there of like, ah, oh, do I tell him my mistakes? Do I let him see kind of where I'm struggling? Do I ask some dumb questions? Do I, what if he's got the edge? What if he's a little further ahead than me? Those are a couple of that come to mind for me, but I'd love to hear what are some other modern applications of this idea? Yeah. I mean, I would just, the first thing that I would say is there's so much value in being the fool sometimes, yeah. like to risk, to risk just being the fool. You know, I mean, I was... I was not an academic person, right? Not an academic, I did terrible in school. You know, I, I had ADD, I had troubles reading. I was just the worst with math. Uh, you know, I, I failed grade 12 English and biology. I had to repeat it, you know, and, and yet I've been wildly successful. You know, I mean, wildly, is, that's, that's probably a little extreme, but I've been fairly successful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just got signed to a book deal. Yeah. You know, my, my podcast has millions of downloads. Like I've, I've built a pretty substantial business, yada, yada, yada. So how did I do that? Well, in some ways, I risked being a fool. I was willing to ask men that were further ahead of me for insight, for advice, to be willing to be vulnerable enough to say, this is what my business looks like. What do you think? Or this is, you know, this is a challenge that I'm having. What would you say? And then I actually listened to them, right? So that's just one thing yes. is risk, risk being a fool. Mm -hmm. I mean, so many men are just terrified of like they, they, they're aiming for perfect all the time. And, you know, perfection is never wanting to get anything wrong once. I mean, how do you learn from that place? You don't, you just stay stuck, right? You just stay in this little box. So so for, for a, a healthy amount of time, screw perfection. Don't worry about perfection. The, the second thing that I would say is find a group of men that you can meet with, commune with, engage with on a regular basis, a group of men. One-on-one -on -one is great, right? But there's still a bit of safety in that environment. Yeah. There's still a bit of safety in being one-on-one -on -one with a man. Whereas within a group of men, I mean, it gets pretty obvious when you're hiding, right? When you're hiding something, when you're not contributing to the manner in which the other men are showing up. And if you choose men that you know are going to push you and challenge you and confront you, that's what you should ultimately look for. Like, you know, I run a lot of men's work, a lot of men's groups, and yet I still have my own, you know, with men that, that will push me and challenge me and confront me. And so that's what I would say is find a group of men. And if you don't have those types of men in your life, there's tons that you can join online, right? There's mine. There's, I mean, there's hundreds online. There's every man, there's mankind project. There's a lot of them and they all have different focuses, 
So find a group of men that you can engage with because in that space, that's where you'll see that competition come online. That's where you'll see, and you can create that group with the intention of, I want this to be something that I'm competing alongside you men. Are you on board with that? Will you be willing to confront me? Will you be willing to call me forward when I'm not showing up, when I'm slacking, when you can tell that I'm, you know, when I've given my word to do something, will you hold me accountable? Because that's uncomfortable. So that's one thing. Find a group of men that you can engage with on a regular basis and don't let each other off the hook. Create very specific rules and guidelines about how you're going to engage and then be rigorous with that. Dedicate yourself to it. So that's one thing. The other thing is invite feedback and direct, like direct feedback from men in your life that you trust, admire, and respect. Mm -hmm. Those men can be older. Those men can be younger. They can be more successful, less Mm -hmm. successful. Get a good palate. Because I think what we do as as men oftentimes is that we over-index the feedback of men that maybe have done a lot more than us. And we under-index the feedback of men that might be have a different vantage point from us or from those men that have been highly successful. So get a good palette of, or a good sort of like swath, I don't know what word I'm looking for here, of people that are going to give you that feedback consistently and let it shape you. And then I think the last thing that I would say is let yourself, let yourself feel uncomfortable around other men. Notice when you feel uncomfortable. Notice who you feel uncomfortable around and see if you can be in those environments and those spaces a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Part of the comfort that we have found ourselves in, part of the domestication that men have found themselves in is that they no longer surround themselves with men that make them feel uncomfortable. So they're in these little comfort bubbles and no one's pushing each other and no one's challenging each other. You know, one of the greatest compliments that, that my friends have ever given me is that I'm uncomfortable to be around sometimes. And I'm like, great, that's a blessing. And at first, you know, one of them would joke around. He's like, you know, when we're going to hang out, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm really not too sure. And it's uncomfortable for me. And I was like, great, like that's, that's fine. But eventually he was like, this is incredibly valuable. So regardless of who you are, find men that you feel uncomfortable around and then engage with them, see what's there, see what lesson is being presented to you, see what value there is for you to contribute to them and, and that they're naturally giving you just by you being in their presence. Yeah, I love that. And I, I think about, Tyson, some of the conversations we've had about, I mean, you're, you're in high school still, you're starting your senior year. And I think a lot of guys in high school at this age, I think there's, this is kind of the height of competitiveness. And, and uh, I don't know if it's like that for you, Connor, but I, I know when I was in high school at that age, like, it didn't seem like any guy was willing to, to show any sort of weakness at all. And so I don't know if you have any thoughts on helping younger guys venture into this in terms of building male friendships like that in an environment sometimes that can feel so hostile to, I mean, to me, it's, it's yes, uncomfortable and dealing with that. I totally am with you on that. I think it's great advice. What if it feels like it's just not safe, which I know is kind of a buzz trigger word these days, but I'm just so curious, kind of like, what do you do when you're in an environment maybe where it doesn't seem like anybody's willing to, you know, be supportive, be helpful, show up in those ways? Yeah. I mean, this is, there's my natural instinct for this is to say, you know, 
be okay with finding spaces where it's not safe. Yeah. Okay. You know, how you show up. Now, this doesn't mean that you should intentionally put yourself in situations where you're going to experience harm or, or excessive violence or people are going to tear you down or anything like that. But again, there are so many men that <laughs> I don't know how else to say this other than there are so many men that don't know what it feels like to get punched in the face. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, know how else to say that. Right? There's you. so many men that don't know what that's like. And so they don't know how to control themselves. Yes. They don't know how to feel embodied. They don't know how to show up with strength when they're met with opposition. And what they turn to is acting like children, right? They turn into boys. They're entitled. They expect something. You shouldn't treat me this way. Well, some people don't care. Some people are assholes, mm -hmm. right? Some people are just jerks. Some people are just going to be violent. Some people are malevolent. That's true. So if you've never been in a position of being unsafe before, if you've lived this very coddled experience, you're not going to know how to handle that person that's in your face, right? Because you cut them off in traffic and suddenly they're banging on your passenger side window while your, you know, your wife and three kids are in the car and you don't know what to do and you feel panicked. So um, I love this. I'm, I'm not saying put yourself in unsafe positions ongoing in a way where you're going to you know, experience excessive harm. What I'm saying is put yourself in positions where you can learn how to deal with unsafe people, right? Beautiful. Where you can be the safe person in the unsafe situation because for most men, they're the unsafe person because they don't know how to show up. Like, yeah, I mean, they don't know how to show up in those environments where they're being confronted, right? And they're you know, some jerk is really, he's drunk or he's high and he's, you know, out of his mind and he's just trying to provoke you. And, you know, and then they end up, they end up getting hurt because they don't know how to handle themselves in an unsafe situation. So find unsafe situations that you can cultivate, right? Go do survival training, put yourself into Brazilian jiu-jitsu, put yourself into boxing training where there is a, a level of being unsafe. So I think that that's very good advice for young men, especially because if we don't, yeah, here it is. Most young men haven't been taught that they're dangerous. Yeah. Every man has the capacity to be dangerous. Every man like Tyson, how, how big are you? You look like you're in decent shape. <laughs> yeah. I'm six one. <laughs> right. You're six one and what? How, how, how much do you weigh? Right. You're six one and 200 pounds. So if you, regardless of whether you know how to punch or not, if you hit someone with what you've got at six, one and 200 pounds, you're going you're gonna to harm them. Right. And you have a dangerous nature within you. All men have a, have a primary dangerous part within them. And unfortunately in our culture, a lot of men have been taught to ignore that part. And so they never connect to it. And as young men, one of the best things that we can do is learn how to be with that dangerous nature, because if we don't understand it, it will dominate us and it will dominate our lives and it'll dominate our conversations and it'll direct the manner in which we behave. So for us to understand, yeah, I, there's a part of me that's dangerous and I need to learn how to direct that part. That is a strength. And if you can get on that now as a young man, you, my gosh, you will be well, I didn't figure that out until my late twenties and my dangerous nature caused chaos for years and years and years and years. And many men just never learned that. 
they're very disconnected from that part. So yeah, I'm not too sure what the original question was, but I think I've hopefully done a satisfactory, you know, response that is part confronting and, and part useful. <laughs> it's perfect, man. It's perfect. It's exactly, it's exactly the answer that needs to happen here, which I mean, the original question, I'll just tie it back, which is, you know, it's really about with young people, especially with guys that are coming up that are, that again, don't know their own level of dangerousness, haven't really had that refined yet. They can create environments in locker rooms and high schools and other places where guys are just terrified to just to show up and take risks. Everybody just kind of plays it safe or, you know, hangs out with the girls or whatever and just tries to avoid any sort of danger. But I love what you're saying is that you got to lean into that. And that's essentially where you're going to find your edge, right? That's where you're going to discover mm -hmm. what you're made of. And that that is really going to open the door for you being able to not only be in touch with your own strengths and weaknesses, but also it'll probably form some friendships, some really strong ones mm -hmm. because, right? That's like battle ready kind of stuff. It's like band of brothers kind of stuff. Like you're all in this together. Yeah. And if I could just consolidate, like condense what I was saying is yeah. that if you have never confronted your own anger, your own quality of dangerousness, you'll never know how to deal with another man's. And it will likely get in the way of some of your friendships with the men who could contribute to you greatly because you'll be afraid of when they test you, when they push you, when they give you that feedback, you'll avoid it. And not only that, you won't know what to do in situations where another man's dangerous part, his anger has become aggressive and you know he's disrespecting you or your girlfriend or you know threatening your kids in some way. You won't know what to do in those moments. You won't know how to handle yourself because if you can't handle your own anger and aggression and dangerous nature, you certainly will not know how to interact with another man's. And that's a part of the problem that we're experiencing today is that a lot of men don't know how to deal with their own dangerous parts. It's why I say that all police should have, I mean, they should have way better training than what they have. I mean, my music degree, I have more training in my music degree than cops have today. It's ridiculous. They should have Brazilian jiu-jitsu training. They should have restraint training. I mean, they should have therapeutic yeah. training. Mm -hmm. They should know how to engage with people from a very emotionally intelligent way, but they don't have that training. So what they do have is violence, domination, and force. And that's how we as men have been taught to deal with unruly people and unruly situations, dominate it and force it into submission. Well, that tactic isn't working, right? It's not working very well. Mm -hmm. And we know that it's not working anymore and it's creating a lot of harm. And so we as men have to acknowledge that and shift and pivot and learn more and be better. That is part of our ethos as men is that we want to be better. So learn how to be with your own dangerous nature and spend time with it. And that might take you years, but it's a worthy endeavor that will set you up in, and will have a ripple effect in many different parts of your life, your relationship, your family system, your business. I mean, every part of it. Yeah, that's amazing. And it really does speak to, to how men's friendships are so different than how women do friendships. I mean, this doesn't even look yeah. the same, right? <laughs> mm -mm. No, because women... Yeah. I mean, I don't know how, how much we want to get into that, but like, sure. yes, men and men and women have very different forms of social bonding right. and social psychology has proven this. I mean, Jonathan Haidt has written about this extensively, the different ways that boys and girls engage with social media, the different impacts on them, how they engage 
you know, within their own gender and inter intergender, right? So we do, we have the data to back this up. We know that teenage boys, a 17 or a 15 or a 14 year old boy is going to in, engage with other boys differently than how a, a 14 or 16 or 17 year old girl is going to engage with her friends. It's different social engagement, different expectations. And we need, we need to understand that and, and have that be okay to some capacity. It's not just about eradicating gender or eradicating these constructs and pretending like they don't exist. It's about honoring that there are some differences and how do we, how do we affect them in a more generative, nurturing, expansive manner that produces more optimal outcomes. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think that a lot of, a lot of the men that I've worked with in my practice, and I think about my own friendships and stuff like that, I think there's a lot of pressure on men to sort of model male friendships after how women are doing it. And, right, I, yes. and I think there's a huge loss there. And I, I felt that pressure as well. And I think a lot of men fail in trying to connect with other men when they're, when they're trying to apply those same models instead of this other way we're talking about, which definitely has more risk and involves a lot, I think a lot more personal confronting and work on yourself to be able mm -hmm. to do it. Yeah. In many ways, men today have much more feminized relationships and how they interact with one another is off of the grounds of how a woman has told them that they should be interacting with their male friends. And usually it's because a woman doesn't feel safe with them, right? So she's saying, go, you know, like you should open up to your friends more, or you should be more vulnerable, or you should talk about your feelings more. And she's using her own language of what she would do in that moment with her friends. But what she's actually saying is, I want you to figure out how to be responsible, how to lead yourself more effectively how to own your experience, how to own what's happening in your life and to go and have feedback and confrontation with your friends. So they're pointing at what we need to do oftentimes, but they're using their own language. And then we're trying to do it in a very feminine way or the way that like maybe a woman would go solve that problem with her female friends. And, you know, that's neither right or wrong. That's just not for me to say whether that's right or wrong, but we can bring that challenge. We can bring that confrontation. We can bring those pieces into our relationships with our friends. We can talk about how we're struggling. We can, but I think the language is just different, right? Mm -hmm. The action might be similar, but the language is very different. Like I'm not going to call up my buddies and be like, I need to have a really vulnerable conversation with you. It's not, I'm just never going to do that. Right. And none of my friends are going to do that either. And yeah. I don't think that we should expect men to do that either because it's not workable. But what I am going to do is call one of my friends up and say, I'm really struggling. Like I, I have a big challenge right now and I don't need you to fix it, but I need you to hear me out on what's going on so I can try and make sense of it. Or I need you to like, what would you do in this situation? Or have you ever been in this situation before? Those types of conversations is what we need to open up more to, I, I think, as men. And I think a lot of men are, are beginning to do that. Yeah, I love that. So really in terms of application here, just kind of wrapping up, if men are looking for models for how to do this or what that should look like, again, if they've come from sort of this, you know, I don't know if that's the right word or not, sort of a feminized version of like friendship, you're essentially saying that, you know, men can start by surrounding themselves with men that make them uncomfortable and starting to take that risk of just entering into these groups, especially. But then the risk or the vulnerability or like the connection part's going to come from not only taking risks and trying new stuff, which is going to write the competitive piece that finding your edge failing, that kind of stuff, but then also then asking for advice, asking for support, asking for feedback, talking about the struggle, that kind of stuff is going to open up these different kinds of 
elements of friendship and that's where it's going to start to to grow. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, those are all really great. I think the last thing that I would say is define with your male friends what you want that friendship to look like. Like what does your friendship actually stand for? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of a lot of men are are in friendships and they've they've never actually said, you know, here's what's important to me. I want to have the type of friendship where I can come and talk to you about things that are going on in my life and tell you what I need from you, whether it's feedback, whether it's support, or whether whether you literally just listen to the complaint that I have and the challenge that I'm dealing with so that I have somewhere to bring it, somewhere to, to sort of vent it. Yeah. Most men don't do that. And so they wait for the moment to come up and then it's awkward, right? And there's no expectations. They haven't defined, here's what I want from you as my friend. Here's what I expect from you. Are you willing and able and open to doing that? Because what a lot of men find is they go on through life. They go through their, you know, their teenage years and then maybe they go through a party phase and they go through college and et cetera. And then they start to get into the more mature area of their life and they're dealing with very big problems, right? Finances. Maybe they got married. Maybe they have kids all of a sudden. And the friends that they're surrounded by are still from the party phase. So what they need from their male friends, their male friends can't give them. Yeah. And they've never defined what it is that they want from them. So I think it's what I tell a lot of men is define what it is that you want from your friends. And maybe you'd still have some friends that you go have fun with and party with, but you have some very specific male friends that you can go through anything with, right? Those battle ready friends that are going through life with you. And that is absolutely imperative. I'll just leave you with one last study, which was done by, I believe, Harvard. And it was the longest running study that anyone's ever done. They followed over 3000 men around for 75 years. <laughs> 75 years. And what they found, what they were looking for was the single greatest predictor of health and happiness. And what they found was that the quality of your friendship at the age of 50 determined the quality of your health, wellness, and happiness at 75. Love that. So your quality of relationships, especially as a man, because all of the test subjects were men, all of them. Mm -hmm. So this is specifically men. We can see that having positive, healthy, open, reliable, challenge-oriented friendship as men is one of the most important things. And isolation makes us impotent. Isolation takes away our power. Isolating ourselves from other men in our lives deconstructs everything that we crave and desire as men. And so it's imperative that we build more robust, rigorous, and disciplined friendships with the men in our lives. Man. Powerful. Tyson, any other words on there? Are you good? Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful stuff. Connor, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing all of this. I could sit here for another six hours. Sounds like I need to join the Alliance. That's what it it sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) Come on in, man. I would love to have you in there. That's awesome, man. Hey, where can people find you? Tell us about where you're hanging out on on, uh, online and where people can access your work. Yeah. I mean, the, probably the, the best way is Instagram. I'm pretty active there. I also put a lot of videos up on YouTube. So if you're a YouTube person, oddly enough, most men are on YouTube. I didn't know that, but I'm figuring that out now. <laughs> uh, that, those are probably the best places. And then mantalks.com or connorbeaton.com are, are the other places you can, you can reach out and feel free to 
DM me or email me if you have any questions following up from from this conversation. Yeah, the work you're doing is so important. It's uh, made a made a difference in my own life and the life of my sons and and the men I work with. And so thank you for for being wildly successful so that I've found you. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was going to regret that. Yeah. Yeah. No <laughs> way, man. I, I was actually going to agree with you that that's the right term because uh, you have a big reach and you're making a difference. So thanks again for your time and uh, look forward to sharing this with my audience. You can find Connor on social media at Mantalks and find his podcast as well. And then his website, mantalks.com. He's everywhere. So shouldn't be hard to find him in his great work. And I encourage you to follow him and uh, check out his work and learn from what he's teaching us. And again, I think that men and women need to follow his work and listen to what he's saying. It's pretty important stuff, especially in this day and age where I think a lot of men are confused about what it means to be a man and what a healthy man should do. And there's such an attack on masculinity and we just really need to learn how to bring out and reinforce and support the healthier aspects of what it means to be a man and uh, just really appreciate Connor all the great work he's doing thanks everyone for being a part of this community love hearing your feedback and your comments make sure to check me out on social media as well at Jeff Stewart you can find me on my website from crisis to connection.com where I've got online courses on how to rebuild trust in your broken relationship and also past episodes of my podcast and a weekly column that I write would love to connect with you there. So drop me a line. Let me know what you think of the show. And if you have any suggestions or feedback, love hearing from all of you. And I do my best to respond personally to each person that reaches out to me. Thanks again for listening. And I'll catch you guys in the next episode.